this, about this matter of having our heart in tune with God. I mean, letting God work in our heart, be serious about it, and, and honest and open with ourselves, with our God, and with each other. And uh, we need a broken and humility. Uh, and the starting point, that is the starting point of real revival whenever we begin uh, uh, to say God begins to work in our heart. Now, it's painful many times because our heart is so uh, so uh, wicked and so uh, deceptive. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't, and we don't want to admit it. And the greatest sin in your heart and in my heart is not adultery. It's not lying. It's not stealing. It's not being a thief. It's not tithing. Not tithing. You know the greatest sin in your heart and my heart? Pride. See, we don't want to admit that we're not right. We don't want to admit. You know whenever Satan said, I will be like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. Now he did not mean, and he uses a term there, the Most High. That is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He wanted to be like God in control, but not in character. That's pride. I, and you say, well, I, for us to admit that we are not in control of our life and we're loving the Lord and serving the Lord. And uh, well, Listen, folks, whenever you think you are in control, that is whenever you're the most out of control. You see, the one to be in control of your heart is not you. It's not self that's on the throne, but it's the Spirit of God. It's God Himself that is on the throne. And whenever He's on the throne, then... We are ready to do business with him, and we are submissive to him. Now, let's, let's look at this heart. I, I have several messages on this passage, and I don't want to get off on all seven of them at one time. Notice, first of all, it said, Thus says the high and lofty one. The high and lofty one. Now, that's God. That's God. You know the most important thing about you is what you think what comes to your mind when you think about God? The God that you worship, the God that you serve, is he the God of the Bible? Or is he some figment of your imagination that you have taken, developed out of a, a belief system and you've taken some old wise fables and put in here and you've taken some uh, scripture put in here and you've taken uh, something somebody else has said and put in here and you have built a belief system and you have out of that belief system is what you uh, think God's like. I'm so afraid that we, have, we worship a God that is not the God of the Bible. And we must know him. Paul was saved for 30 years, Brother Bob, and said, oh, that I might know him. And that is genosco. That is, I might experience him. You see, so this is the high and the holy one. Notice, uh, uh, the, he said, uh, he's high and holy and he's lifted up. He inhabits eternity. He has, notice, this God has two addresses. One is in eternity. That's where he lives. And his name is Holy, Holy God. And he dwells high in the holy place. That's where he lives. But he also dwells someplace else. He also dwells with them also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Now that's whenever you're saved and he indwells there. Can you imagine that? 
He desires the God of eternity who spoke the worlds into existence, who caused the constellations to form, and He caused the rivers to run and created everything out of nothing. That great God who just spoke wants to live inside me, desires me, desires to make His habitat, desires to make my heart His throne. And when you're saved, He does. But then there's something else. Notice the rest of this verse. There comes a time when you get cold and you leave your first love like I spoke about this morning. And look what happens. And it says to revive the spirit of the humble and, the re- and to revive the heart of the contrite one. God knew that we were going to get cold. God knew that we were going uh, to uh, uh, get apathetic and complacent. God knew that we were going to get satisfied. And God knew we were going to be satisfied with status quo and that we were going through a form and a ritual and we would be worse than the Roman Catholics counting their beads. God knew all that. And he said, I will revive the broken and contrite heart. Now, let's see this heart that God revives. You see, it says Christianity is a religion of the heart, and a person has a personal relationship with the Creator. Now, do you have a personal relationship with Him? Christianity deals with the heart. Now, whenever I think of that, the heart... I said that Jeremiah, Jeremiah understood this. Jeremiah's heart, uh, uh, he said, uh, uses over 70 references in the heart, uh, in in Jeremiah, to the heart. He said, the heart is wicked. Uh, And the Lord Jesus said, uh, they honor me with their heart, or with their lips, but the heart is far from me. They talk a good talk, but their heart is far from me. And he said, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. He said, my son, give me thine heart and observe my ways. This is where the action is. It's in the heart of a man. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the heart? Well, if you study uh, uh, biblical hermeneutics and you study the law of biblical interpretation, uh, you know that there's always a law of first mentioning that gives you what the heart really means. When was heart first mentioned in the Scriptures? It's always good to go back and find out. God saw that the heart was only wicked continually. God saw that their heart was wicked continually in Genesis 6. He saw that their heart or or, or the the thoughts of their heart were wicked continually. So a heart has to do with your intellect, your thoughts. Well, the second time it's mentioned, God said this, God said, it has grieved me, grieved God in his heart that he made man. So the heart deals with the emotions. It's the heart, it's the intellect, it's the emotions. And then God said something else. God said in his heart, I will destroy man. It deals with the will. So there are three parts. There is the intellect, there is the uh, emotions, and there is the will. We talk about the heart of man it deals with your intellect, your, your thought life. It deals, with, uh, it deals with your emotion, your emotional life. 
And I believe that the most, of our, that most of our people have their hearts filled with idols that has pushed the Lord Jesus off the throne and put uh, idols in its place. There's nothing wrong with sports as long as it doesn't push Jesus off the throne. There's nothing wrong with uh, things as long as things don't have you. But you tell me what you love and what you love to do, and I'll tell you who your God is. You tell, I can't wait to get into the Scriptures. I cannot wait to get into the Word of God. I can't wait to get into my, uh, get into my prayer closet. I can't wait to be able to get in there, to be able to see what the Lord has for me today. Tell me what your first thought is whenever you wake up in the morning. Tell me what your, first th- your last thought is before you go to sleep at night. Tell me what your, and you'll tell me what your idol is. You see, the heart of man, the heart is deceitful, and above all things is desperately wicked. So uh, Christianity deals with the heart, and uh, you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, but notice, God wants to reveal His presence and His glory to His people. And uh, let's get a heart checkup this week. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, check us up. I mean, put us into the heart pavilion and, and, and do, a, do an examination, on a spiritual examination on our, on our heart. Strip us naked and open unto the eyes of a holy God, and you put your finger, search me, scrutinize me, uh, go through me and see if there be any wicked way of me. Go into every crevice, every nick, and every corner of my life and show me and see if there be any wicked way of me. Uh, uh, and, and strip me naked before a holy God. So he says, brokenness and humility before God is the place to start. What kind of heart does God revive? Well, revival is a matter of the heart. And the reason that we are not revived is that we're filled with apathy, complacency, self-satisfaction, and too much pride to admit that there's nothing wrong with our heart. So we go on, we have another meeting, and we go through a ritual. However, the main reason that we do not have revival in America is P-R-I-D-E pride. We think we're all right. We would be willing to say, face God right face to face and say, God, I'm all right. There's nothing between me and you. And you know something? Your heart has deceived you. And your heart is so desperately wicked. And so is mine. And the only one that can turn the light upon us and show us as we really are is the blessed Holy Spirit. I remember one night I scared my wife half to death. I was going through one of the most trying, difficult times, and the Holy Spirit was just stripping me naked and open to the eyes of a holy God. And I jumped up out of the bed in the middle of the night, and I screamed, No! 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 And he showed me an idol that I had in my, in my heart. He, and it, was, it wasn't anything wrong. It was a school that I loved dearly. But I loved, I had that school more, I loved that school more than I loved my Lord. And I said, I'm going to move it over. And I had to move it over. I had to move the idol out of my life. 
and put him there. It can be a good thing. But notice now, it may be your reputation. What will people think of me? What will they say? I'm a deacon, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a minister, or I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I, I have a testimony. I'm a pillar in this church. What will people think of me if I, if I say that I need revival, or if I say that I'm not right in my heart, if I say that there's things there that uh, takes the place of my blessed Lord? A-L-L, all, your soul, your mind, your strength, all. That's what he said. Now, it's so easy for us to let something else take place of our blessed Lord. So we're going through the motions. We're status quo, playing church. Uh, And notice this text. Look at the text. What kind of heart does God revive? Underline it. A contrite heart. That word contrite means broken. Do you have a broken heart? God will never revive you until you have a broken heart. It's a broken heart and a humble heart. Well, let's look first of all. What is a humble heart or a humble heart? Well, humble, to be humble is the opposite of pride. Uh, To be proud is one thing, a proud heart and a humble heart. So uh, what is a a humble heart? Uh, Well, uh, a humble heart is one who has the proper evaluation of God. You have the proper opinion of who God is, and you have the proper evaluation of who God is, and whenever you see God in all of his impeccable character and his immutable, uh, his immutable ability not to ever change, uh, his eternality, his holiness, his pureness, uh, and you see him for who he is, uh, you see him and you have the proper evaluation of him. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he knows everything about us, and you see him for who he really is, and you have the proper opinion of him, and then you have the proper opinion of yourself. See, the proper opinion of God puts you in the proper opinion of yourself. It puts God in his place and you in your place. When you've got a humble heart, you have a heart that puts God where he belongs and puts you where you belong. That's why Isaiah said whenever he saw God high and lifted up, And by the way, that was the Lord Jesus. Uh, That was the Lord Jesus on the throne, and he saw him on the throne. And he fell, and he trembled, and he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. If you'll read the first uh, four chapters, five chapters of Isaiah, boy, he pronounced woe on everybody. Oh, every nation, everybody. Woe on the politicians, woe on the religionists, woe on everybody. But now he's sees God as he is, boy, he pronounces woe on who? Himself. You see, we don't really know God as he really is. We don't really see him as he really is. So, we have a proper opinion of him. And Isaiah said, woe is me, I am undone. You know what that word undone means? It means, you ladies understand this, it means Come loose at the seams. Have you ever had a dress to come loose at the seams? You came undone. 
It really means I have come undone. It literally means, literally, that the root word for that, uh, woe is me, I am undone, that word undone, it, uh, it literally means I'm separated. I am damned. I'm cut off. I'm a sinner. God, you're holy. <laughs> There's no hope for me. That's humility. And God, if you don't do it, I'm gone. Woe is me, I am undone. I came loose at sea. Well, let me give you another illustration. You remember whenever John the Baptist was baptizing and down the, down the dusty road he looked and he saw the Lord Jesus coming and what did he say? He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away, what? The sin of the world. What did he do? He put Jesus as God's sacrifice for the sin of the world. He had the proper evaluation, the proper opinion of God and the, of the dear Savior, and he put him where he belonged, and then what did that do to John? John said, I'm not worthy to even loose the laces of his shoes. You see, we think we're pretty, pretty good. We think we are independent, fundamental, anti-new evangelical separatist Baptist church, and we're the only... We are it. We are poor, miserable, blind, naked, wicked sinners. So a humble heart is a submissive heart to the holiness of God, one who fears sin, loves the Savior, and owes his allegiance only to the Savior. A humble heart is an obedient, submissive heart of a slave to a sovereign king with his intellect, his uh, mind, his body, his soul. And the thought in the Old Testament, when it talks about the heart, it's the whole man. It's everything. So that is a humble heart. But wait a minute, let's look at a broken heart. What is a broken heart? Notice he says, he will revive, I will revive a humble, the spirit of the humble, and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Well, that word contrite uh, is brokenness. And we have a misconception of what brokenness really is. God has been breaking me in the last two and a half years. God's been breaking my wife in the last two and a half years. And, and, and listen, I realize grace has brought us safe this far and grace will lead us through many dangers, toils, and snares I've already come. And the grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. I used to think, boy, if I'm going to make it, uh, I'll tell you, I'll go uh, bulldog tenacity. I'm going to have guts, grace, and grit, and I'm going to hang in there. And God said, son, you're a fool. It's not guts, grace, and grit. It's grace, grace, grace. Give grace. Grace. God give you what you don't deserve grace. So we have a misconception of what brokenness really is. Our idea of brokenness and God's idea of brokenness may be something entirely, entirely different than I think it is. We think if a broken person is brokenness, that he's sad, he's gloomy, he's a person always downcast. But real brokenness has a release, has joy, has peace, has fellowship, has contentment, has satisfaction, is happy and joyful. Real 
brokenness before the Lord. We think if a person uh, is morbid and introspective and walking around saying, Woe is me, I am a worm. I'm just an unclean worm, and I've confessed every sin I can possibly think, but I'm, I'm sure I've missed some, and, uh, and you, uh, uh, this, that kind of morbid uh, introspection leads to false humility and eventually legalism. That's not what we're talking about. False humility and morbid introspection uh, are the opposite of brokenness. And that kind of brokenness is hypocritical and spiritual. But a person, you say, well, Brother Bell, I've seen people who are just broken and they just wept. They just weep so easily and they're broken over their sin. I'm not minimizing the emotions. But I'm going to tell you something. A real true brokenness before God has very little to do with your emotions. Very little to do with your emotions. Uh, you can shed, shed crocodile tears and you can shed a bucket of tears and never experience a moment of brokenness. It's very possible to shed tears without brokenness. You may be sorry that you got caught. You may be sorry for what your sin has called somebody else and you may be weeping over that. You may be, uh, you may be sorry uh, for your loved ones uh, and the price of your sin, but that's not brokenness before God. It's not so much an emotion. People who are deeply hurt by tragic circumstances, death, illness, or um, uh, 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 financial adversity, and God does often use tragedy to get our attention, but uh, a tragedy does not guarantee a brokenness before God. Well, you say, Brother Bell, what is brokenness? I'm going to tell you what it is. True brokenness is someone who, uh, well, someone has said it's, it's far easier to detect than it is to define. It's like a fragrance that is easy to detect and, 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 uh, and that is to define. Well, what is true brokenness before God? Brokenness is not a feeling or an emotion. Rather, it is a choice. It is an act of the will. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's where the will is completely broken in submission to the master. Not my will, but thy will be done. It deals with the will. A true brokenness is an ongoing thing in a person's life. It is a continuous thing. It's not a one-time experience, but it is a continual thing. True brokenness is a lifestyle, a moment-by-moment lifestyle of agreeing with God about the true condition of my heart. Lord, my heart is desperately wicked, and, and you know it, and I know it, and, and my heart, Lord, it's in my heart these thoughts come. It's in my heart uh, these love and these emotions uh, and these uh, things and these idols comes in my life. Lord, it's my heart. So brokenness is a shattering of my self-will, taking self off the throne and putting the Savior on the throne, and you'll either die to self or you'll die on the shelf. And that's where our churches are. Brokenness is a, a, a 
shattering of my self-will, the absolute surrender of my will to the will of God. Yes, Lord, no resistance, no restraint. You, uh, you command, I obey. <laughs> the, the leaders prodding of the Spirit of God in our heart, and you obey it, just like that girl today. I said, you're going to come to church, uh, church to hear me preach one night? Well, I'd witnessed to her first time that I went to the motel. And uh, listen, folk, if we would just be sensitive to the one that is on the throne of our heart, he's already working on the other end. You know, uh, my wife, I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm going to get my orders. I used to have an agenda. I used to have a goal. I used to have a plan. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a goal. And I don't have a plan. God's got it. And I, I used to try to fit him into my plans, but now I fit into his plan. That is the difference. I went into my study and I said, Lord, please help me be a witness today. Help me, Lord. I need you. I need you. Please help me. Lord, I want to surrender everything. And Lord, you just nudge me in my soul and I'll do it. I'll do what you want. That is a broken heart. That is a broken will. That's a missive will. I went down to get my hair cut. I walked in, five young ladies there. I walked in, I said, any of you girls want to cut a preacher's hair today? Yeah, I'll cut your hair. You a preacher? I said, yeah. Oh, I said, sure. I said, come over. And uh, she said, you uh, your pastor? I said, yeah, I've been pastoring 44 years. And, uh, oh, she said, that's wonderful. I'll cut your hair. I said, sit down. Four other girls. And I said, hey, um, you girls want me to tell you a Bible story while she cuts my hair? They said, well, this is easy. They said, yeah. I said, gather around the chair here, girls. Come on, gather around here. And they all got around the chair. And I said, all right, you tell me. Now you give me the subject. What do you want me to talk about? You just name it. I'll talk about it. Any Bible subject. (laughs) They said, well, we don't know. I said, you choose the subject. You choose this subject. I said, okay, how I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I gave them the plan of salvation for 30 minutes, and not a soul came into that barbershop. Now, was that God or was that God? One little girl said to me, <laughs> said, I feel like I've been to church. I said, oh, no, I didn't take up an offering. Hang on a minute. I got to pay the hair. Uh, she said, but then she said to me, <laughs> then she, I said, now I want you girls to come to, come to our church. I went over, to, I went into my, uh, my pharmacist and I got my groceries and I went back up to the, get my, me, uh, my medicine and the little girl, she said, preacher, can you really know if you die, you go to heaven? I said, can you? Yeah. She said, oh, I would like to know. Brother, for 30 minutes, I stood there at that calendar and told her how to know that she's going to heaven. When I got home, I said, where in the world have you been? I said, honey. She said, the ice cream's all melted. I had my ice cream, and, and I said, yeah, but that's not all that's melted. My old heart's melted because I have been following the leadership of the Holy Spirit today. I have a broken heart. That is a contrite heart. Uh, anything, Lord, anything. No. You say, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. God doesn't want anything. God wants everything. Everything, Lord, is yours. Lock, stock, 
and bear. Dying to self. The question is who is on the throne, self or the Savior? Now this word contrite, contrite is a word God uses to speak of brokenness. It means something that is crushed. It means the, uh, the pieces, uh, it's ground to powder. It's like uh, uh, it's workable, it's pliable, and uh, a rock is uh, pulverized. What is there in your heart and your life that needs to be pulverized? What is it? What is it? Would you, you'd rather read uh, um, some novel before you read the Word of God. You'd rather to watch some television program before you read the Word of God. You'd rather to, uh, to do this. Uh, what has pushed him off the throne? I don't know, but the Spirit of God is going to put his finger on what's on your heart and life. So what is God uh, pulverizing? God wants, uh, God wants to break our self-will. When I was in Ireland some time back, they have a, they have a, these horses, brothers, they're, they're, oh man, boy, they just have such cadence and such discipline and muscle and, and such a, a spirit, high-spirited animal, but boy, they at the least command, they are just do whatever. And I thought, how in the world do they ever get an animal with such spirit and such strength? How do they ever train them? So I asked the gentleman, I said, Sir, I'd like to ask you a question. He said, What is it? I said, How do you take a strong, spirited, wild animal like that and train him to be in so, such submission and have such discipline and be under such control? How, in the, how do you get him to do that? And here's what he told me. Why, well, he said, Preacher, we train him blindfolded. I said, what? He said, we wrap a blindfold around him, put a blindfold, a mask on him, and we train him, and we keep him in the dark and keep him that way until there's only two things he pays attention to. One is the voice of the master. Two is the touch of the master's hand. When he said that, my old heart said, that's what I want, Lord. That's all I want. Just the, just the voice of the master and the touch of the master's hand. That is a broken heart. He broke that animal. He broke that animal. And God breaks our stubborn will. And all we need to learn is the touch of the master's hand and the voice of the master. And we'll have revival. So uh, brokenness is stripping us of self-reliance and in in depending on God. Don't depend on me. It's depending on God. I can't do it. Uh, the broken person has no confidence uh, in his own righteousness, his own works, but is cast in total dependence upon God and, and, and on his grace working in us and through us. Paul said to Timothy, be strong in your ability, in your accomplishment. Be strong in your uh, zeal. No, no. Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, that's where you're strong. You learn it's the grace of God that is your strength. Not my zeal or my ability, not our, uh, but it's the grace of God. Brokenness is that softening of the soil that breaks up the clods of resistance, uh, that keeps the seeds from penetrating, 
keeps the Spirit of God from working and moving in our heart and in our life and taking root. As the clay or the wax is soft and pliable in the hand of the potter, so is the heart and the, the will soft and pliable in the, in, in the uh, hands of the Holy Spirit. See, God only uses three things to mold us into His image. Only three things. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the sovereign purpose and plan of God. That's all He uses. And if you don't obey the Word of God, you'll not be conformed. If you don't obey the Spirit of God, you'll not be conformed. If you don't yield to the sovereign purpose and plan of your life, you'll not be conformed. So God wants to conform us. And any trial that comes into your life that draws you closer to Him is more precious than gold that perishes. So uh, Christians do not have, are you listening? Problems. Christians do not have problems. They have projects. <laughs> and God takes those projects. Brother Charlie, I've had a two-year and a half-year project that God has been working on in me and my wife and my family, and he has been developing me into the kind of Christian that he wanted me to be. And see, he doesn't have much time left because, hey, I can count. And he's working to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. And I want to be like Christ. That's what I want to be. So there's no, there's no accidents with Christians. Only incidents. <laughs> and the way you, the way you, uh, 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 the way you um, react to a problem, if, now if you look at it as a problem, you'll get bitter. If you look at it as a project, you'll get better. And if you look at it as an accident, you'll get bitter. Why does it ever happen to me? But if you look at it as an incident that God's using to conform you to his image, your heart is more pliable and you are, your, your, your will is in line with his will. And I want to, I delight to do thy will, O oh God. That's revival. That's where revival starts. So revival is a process of making sure that it's a, it's a horizontal and it's a vertical. There's a, horizontal, uh, there's a vertical. My, nothing between my soul and my Savior, and that automatically produces a vertical relationship with my fellow man. Nothing between us. So if you've got, if you, how can we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with another? We, you walk in the light as he is in the light, and then you have fellowship one with another. But it's the first thing that has to be taken care of is that vertical, or, or that uh, horizontal, or vertical. So Isaiah 57 says, check out, get the clogs, uh, get the, requires humility, calls transparency, uh, turn on the searchlight, take off the pretense, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me, no spiritual pretense. That's hypocrisy. That's the worst kind of hypocrisy, to pretend you are spiritual. I am so wicked. My heart is so wicked. My heart is so deceptive. My heart. Oh, God, you know my heart. My heart is so deceptive and deceives me. And my, listen, Satan will put a thought in my mind, and I, when I think that thought, and then he'll, uh, he'll accuse me of, 
uh, being wicked and, and I'll have to say, oh God, I, I get, get rid of that thought. That thought, that mind belongs to you. I've got to have the mind of Christ in me and I'll have to uh, take that thought and bring it into captivity and, and, and it is a battle. I can't win that battle by willpower. But the Bible says, but the Spirit of God does both to will and to do His good pleasure. The Spirit of God gives you that power. He gives you that strength to overcome and to live a victorious life. That's revival. So, check up. God wants to reveal His presence and His glory and His people. And all pretense and mask need to be stripped off in His presence. We need to be naked and open. We need to get serious about this business with God and each other. <laughs> Brokenness and humility before God is a good place to start. What kind of heart does God revive? A broken, humble, submissive heart. That's the kind of revives. It's submissive, absolutely 100% under his control. Under his control. A believer many times has two kinds of hearts. And I'm closing. Here they are. There's only two kinds of heart that you can have as a believer. Number one, proud, self-centered. heart. Selfish, self-centered. Well, I'm looking out for myself. I got, I'm self-centered. And not others, but myself. Self-centeredness is no more than pride. And pride is deified self. And pride reigns in our hearts. And we have a proud heart. A proud heart. And then there is a broken, submissive heart, a humble heart. Now, what is the evidence of this broken heart? Well, <laughs> number one, there's a hunger for the Word of God. <laughs> oh, there's a hunger for the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? Do you read the Word of God? Do you meditate on the Word of God? Are you hungry for the Word of God? Oh, what a joy just to bathe your soul in the Word of God. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. It's the Word of God that does the sanctifying as we obey in the Spirit of God. And it's uh, taking and applying it to our heart and our life. And if the Spirit of God brings something to your mind and, to, and, and, and that you need to get right, you better get it right. So it's a hunger, a hunger for the Word of God. I will hide the Word of God in my heart. Then secondly, an evidence of a broken heart is a desire to obey the Word. You see, <laughs> forsaking not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, is a sin not to come to church. Do you know that? It's a sin not to read the Word of God. Did you know that? It's a sin not to witness. Did you know that? It's a sin. He says, ye are my witnesses. It's a sin. But we excuse it and think we're pretty good because we don't cuss. And we have our own little standards that we have made us spiritual. But when you are, have a broken heart that God wants to revive, there is a desire 
a hunger for the word, there's a desire for the word, and there's eagerness to share the word. Remember how that the road on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples, they were so discouraged and so down heart trotted. And uh, it says, after the Lord had left them, he said, oh, did you see when he opened the scripture unto us, how did our heart burn within us? And he opened the scripture to him. And our heart, and he started with Moses and and, and uh, he began to, the word began to burn in their hearts. And they went immediately. They had traveled seven and a half miles from Jerusalem. They turned around that day and went back seven and a half miles and said, we have seen the risen Lord. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. <laughs> That's what a submissive heart, a broken heart does. It causes you to want to tell others about the risen Lord. He's alive. Here's the question. Do you have a broken heart? Do you have a heart that God can revive? Do you want revival? Is that what we're all about? Do we want revival? Do we want our heart revived? Or do we want to go through a series of meetings? I don't like the term revival. From June the 6th to June the 15th. I want God to bring real revival in the heart. And he will if we will be a candidate for it. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Search me, O God. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Know me, know my heart. God stands today with outstretched arms and saying, Oh God, search me. Martin Luther said, God created out of nothing. Therefore, until man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. How true that is. I want us to play on the piano just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. And won't you come and bow right here and say, Lord, I'm a candidate this week for real revival. Folks, it could break out right here in this city and this whole county, and we could have a national revival if God's people would say, I want a broken heart submissive to the will of God.